0: Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, A Vision for You Big, big Book Study. Um, my name is Craig F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is uh, January uh, 28, uh, 19, 2019. 19, uh, we're reading from the big book, uh, and we're at p- uh, page 2 in Bill's story. On uh, the second paragraph, starting with "By the time I had completed the course," through three paragraphs, ending with "I made a host of fairweather friends." Uh, today's readers are Jen A, uh, or uh, and uh, uh, <laughs> excuse me, my list is off. Jen A, Lisa B, and Lauren N, and for the steps is Kathy R, and the traditions is. Renee A. The reference number for yesterday, Sunday, is 12466. 6. That's 6, 6, 12466, 12466. Um, the OA preamble Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's, our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states that each group has one primary purpose, to carry its message to compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence in the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Kathy R. to read the 12 steps.
1: Good morning, everyone. This is Kathy R. calling from Florida. These are the 12 steps to our program. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to, make, to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed, Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do this service.
0: Well, thank you for doing the service. I'll now ask uh, Renee A. to read the 12 traditions.
2: Good morning. This is Renee A., recovered compulsive overeater in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Have a great day, everybody. I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Renee. appreciate it. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what we, what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature that we're discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Sli- uh, singleness of purpose reminds us to identify Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 2, the second paragraph, beginning with, By the time I had completed the course, we're reading three paragraphs, ending with, I made a host of fairweather friends. I'm going to ask now, I'm going to ask Jen A to read for us now.
3: Yeah. Good morning, Craig. Thank you. This is Jen A. Recovered in Colorado. In the snow. <laughs> By the <laughs> time I had completed the course, I knew the law was not for me. The inviting maelstrom of Wall Street had me in its grip. Business and financial leaders were my heroes. Out of this alloy of drink and speculation, I commenced to forge the weapon that one day would turn its flight like a boomerang and all but cut me into ribbons. Living modestly, modestly, my wife and I saved $1,000. It went into certain securities, then cheap and rather unpopular. I rightly imagined that they would someday have a great rise. I failed to persuade my broker friends to send me out looking over factories and management, but my wife and I decided to go anyway. I had developed a theory that most people lost money in stocks through ignorance of markets. I discovered many more reasons later on. We gave up our positions and off we roared in a motorcycle. The sidecar stuffed with tent, blankets, a change of clothes, and three huge volumes of a financial reference service. Our friends thought a lunacy commission should be appointed. Perhaps they were right. I had some success at speculation, so we had a little money. But we once worked on a farm for a month to avoid drawing on our small capital. That was the last honest manual labor on my part for many a day. We covered the whole eastern United States in a year. At the end of it, my reports to Wall Street procured me a position there and the use of a large expense account. The exercise of an option brought in more money, leaving us with a profit of several thousand dollars for that year. For the next few years, fortune threw money and applause my way. I had arrived. My judgment and ideas were followed by many to the tune of paper millions. The great boom of the late 20s was seeding and swelling. Drink was taking an important and exhilarating part in my life. There was loud talk in the jazz places uptown. Everyone spent in thousands and chatted in millions. Scoffers could scoff and be damned. I made a host of fair weather friends. Well, thanks for giving me the opportunity to read this morning. Um, This is probably um, a great part for me because um, I get to identify in with Bill because um, there's a lot of me going on in this, <laughs> these three, three paragraphs. Um, I, 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 me, myself, and I, the biggest show on earth, right? And um, I can um, relate to Bill here and what it was like and, and just say that, um, you know, I thought I had it all. I had the marriage. I had the big house. I had, like, the loaded minivan, you know? And um, I, I had a business that I ran out of my house. Um, life was good, um, life was right, um, and it just kept getting better, right? And, um, you know, I thought I had it all together. I thought I had life figured out, and um, then what happened? Well, you know, it, it happens. The food happens, right? And, um, and the selfishness happens. And um, the more and more um, I got, the more and more greedy I think I got too, um, and, and though I was nice about it, um, I still was pretty greedy. Um, and I don't know that I would say that I knew at the time that I was a compulsive overeater. In fact, I don't think I knew at all. Um, I thought everybody ate like I ate, um, and lived like I lived because, you know, I just, um, I just talked it up that way, right? Like keeping up with the Joneses and doing all that, that great stuff. Um, but once I realized, um, that I have this huge ego, um, and, um, that, that hurts me. It hurts me because what it does to me is it edges God out, right? That's, that's how we look at ego edging God out. Um, even though I was serving at the church and in women's ministry and, and helping other moms, um, find God, um, I was edging him out. Um, I was miserable, lonely, um, And just nothing nothing was ever complete, Um, you know. And and, and like Bill thought here, he had arrived. Everything was going his way and he thought he was successful. But I'm so grateful today um, that I know the truth and that I found this 12-step way of life and that um, there isn't any money in the world that could um, ever make me happy or any success that, um, you know, could complete me. Um, But what completes me is my higher power. And um, when I rest in my higher power, turn to him, rely on him um, for everything, and and stay out of my own self, the me, myself, and I, then great and amazing things will happen. And um, we'll eventually see that here in Bill's story too. So, um, yeah, so with that, I'll pass. Have a great day, everybody.
0: All right. Thank you, Jen, for getting us started. All right, now we're going to take uh, shares from uh, three minute shares from everybody. So, um,
4: Madame, Madame. Charles Marie,
0: Madame.
5: J. A. Harlan G,
4: Madame. Mary J, Mary A. John L,
6: Ida A, Katie G,
0: oh, so, slow down, Marie I J, I got, I got you, Marie,
7: I
8: got
0: you, Matt,
7: Daddy
8: A,
0: John L,
7: Harlan G, Ida.
0: All right. Hold hold on. Hold on. I got enough. I got enough. We're going to go with this lineup. Matt M., Charles H., Harlan G., uh, uh, Marie J., Ida, and John L. So I didn't get Ida's last uh, initial. uh, Okay. Matt, uh, take it away.
9: Thank you,
4: Craig, for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt. i from New Jersey. Out of the alloy and drink and speculation, I convinced to forge the weapon that one day would turn its swipe like a boomerang all but cup to ribbons. Like, you know, food for me, I started to do that at a very young age, and I was going to college and school trying to better myself, and food took an ever more present uh, part of my life, and I lost my educational opportunities because I gave it to the food. I binged my brains while I was partying, uh all all night and all day and not going to class and I stopped working at it and you know I made a host of fair weather friends I had money as long as I had money I had friends and as soon as I didn't have money there was no one around it was a ghost town like 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 tumbleweeds and uh I I basically started to realize that you know I didn't really have any friends I had just binge buddies or party animals that I hung out with I didn't really have anybody that I could call a friend real friends stick with you through thick and thin and uh I was really looking, I was desperate for attention. I was desperate for love. And I, I looked for it in different places. I looked for it in, in delicatessens and restaurants and buffet lines and uh, and the, the food halls of my college and everywhere else and uh, my jobs, you know. So it was amazing how my behavior led me down the wrong road so quickly. And I just started packing on the pounds like it was no tomorrow. I'm very grateful just for today. I have the opportunity to put the food on one day, one day at a time and worked a program that's been outlined in the big book. And the real friends I have in my program, I have real true friends for the first time in such a long time, and I really rely on them, and they rely on me. And it's grateful. I can can count on them, too. And they're they're real people. They're not people who are going to disabandon me as soon as the fear the wind goes the wrong direction. So I'm very grateful just for today. I have everybody in my life, and I'm on here in the meeting, and everybody's here today. And thank you all for that. Thank you, Matt.
0: All right, uh, Charles H., you're up.
10: Thank you, Craig F. Um, this is Charles mm-hmm. H. I'm a recovered compulsive overreader. What jumps out to me is money. What jumps out to me is selfishness, self-centeredness. That, we think, is the root of our troubles, driven by a hundred forms of fear. Because I could so identify with Bill, um, you know, being depressed and wanting to be, you know, those those lights are bright, man. Don't put, you know... Don't don't try to get them them like to burn you up, or they'll fire you up, right? Um, <clears throat> money, right? Uh, you know is a is an outside uh thing. It's a physical thing, right? And I I could tell you what we got something money can't buy. You know we 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 you know I don't know if you 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 hear those commercials on TV? This this one doctor I'm ready to beat the, you know what out of him. You know, he says, "You can't go out of there alone," and then he asks for your insurance card. You know, you know m- money can't buy that rec- You know what I'm saying? This what we got here is so free. It, it 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 it's so validating and um everybody's equal on this bench here. You know, we we will support each other. And and that money cannot buy. So I'm going to leave some time on the clock. I know somebody's going to bust my chops on that, leave some time on the clock. But I know there's going to be some great shares around the world on the phone. And with that, I pass. All right. All right.
0: Thank you, Charles. Now, next up, we have Harlan G. Followed by Marie J.
5: Thanks, Craig. Harlan. I'm Harlan Thank G. You. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona, where it will be 73 degrees today if you're looking for a vacation spot. Let's take a look at what's happening here. This is the 1920s, late 1920s, before the Depression started. It is the greatest boom time in the history of the United States of America. And Bill Wilson is not really a stockbroker. What he is, is he, he is a New York City stock speculator who sells his opinions to people who cut him in on the profit. And he says to some of the people on Wall Street, we need more information on these companies that we're investing in. And they say, no, we don't. Shut up. And he says, yes, we do. And he was cunning, baffling, and powerful, too. So he says to Lois, let's go on the road and get some information. And she says, nope. And he says, come on, Lo, it'll be fun. And she says, I'll go. Under one condition, Mr. Wilson, no drinking. And he says, of course, lo, no, I'm done with drinking. Oh, of course he is. Yeah, right. The first victim of compulsive behavior is the truth. He saves $1,000. Now, that may mean nothing to you today. A $1,000? You could buy two brand-new cars at that time. You could buy a brand-new house in Chicago for about $1,200, $1,500. Nice one, too. Now let's take a look at page three. For the next few years, fortune, excuse me, through money and applause my way, I had arrived. Here's the kid from East Dorset, Vermont never had a pot or a window to throw it out of. He's in New York, he's in the Big Apple, and people want to be his buddy. His judgment and ideas were followed by many to the tune of paper, millions. Could you just imagine, just imagine for a minute, you have an opinion on something and people take millions of dollars and follow your opinion? Pretty heady at that point. I know what that would do to my ego. And he says here, drink was taking an important and exhilarating part in my life. There was loud talk in the jazz places uptown. Everyone spent in thousands, chattered in millions. Scoffers could scoff and be damned. I made a host of fair-weather friends. Drinking is working for him at this moment. But if you tune in tomorrow in one paragraph, in just a couple of sentences, we're going to see how his drinking is going to tackle him from behind Tune in tomorrow, same bat time, same bat channel. With that, I'll
11: pass, Craig, thanks.
0: Thank you, Harlan. Okay, we have uh, Marie J followed by Ida. Marie?
11: Hi, thanks, can you hear me?
0: I can, thank you.
12: Oh, great, thank you. Hi, this is uh, Marie J, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. And I too can relate to this so much. I went through a 20 year period in Chicago in my 20s and 30s where I had arrived. I had arrived. I was young and single. I had a big job. I had lots of money. I owned a beautiful Victorian house in the right Chicago neighborhood. And I threw lavish parties. And I had truly a host of fair-weathered friends. And I was so resentful when I moved to Colorado and no one stayed in touch, one person out of everyone. And I only recently began to really examine this and look at my part in it. And it was really because I was using people. I was using money and parties to get attention and esteem from outside of myself. And I used people for ease and comfort. I used food for ease and comfort. I was so lonely and there was such a big hole, you know, I had to keep up the bravado, the bravado of being someone special and someone important who had arrived. And it really was just covering up this pain of not being enough. And it kept escalating, and I kept getting sicker, and I kept getting fatter. And I was in so much hidden self loathing around all of this. And I just loved that all of this is coming up now, you know, I'm two and a half years recovered. And higher power is now ready to have me look at this my lack of intimacy my lack of surrender and i'm going deeper into this recovery and looking deeply at this next layer so that i can show up as god would have me be because this stuff you know this disease it permeates my whole life and it permeates all my relationships and (coughs) excuse me I see myself today. I rely on my husband sometimes for filling that hole of my self-esteem. And that can only be filled by higher power. And when my husband doesn't put me on the pedestal and admire me, I withdraw. I withdraw from my marriage. And it's really good now to be able to look and see my part because I have to be willing to surrender this big fat ego of mine to higher power. That's the only place it can go. I have to give this to God. I have to be able to show up vulnerably and to connect with others. And only God can take that fear and pain away. And this program, this book, these steps, this has changed me at depth. You know, this is a design for living. It really works. And I take it into all of my life. And when I pay attention to my part in this life, and what God wants me to be only then can I stay recovered and carry this message to help someone else to help some other compulsive overeater who is still suffering. So so grateful the, the, the journey continues. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Marie. Okay, Ida, uh, give us your last initial
7: and, uh, you bet, Craig. Last initial is A, Ida A.
13: Ida A, thank you. Go ahead. Good morning,
7: Craig. Good morning. Thanks for being there. Good morning, all visionary friends, and thanks for saving me a spot. Ida here, a compulsive overeater northern British Columbia, still cold and still a compulsive overeater. And I have never related to Bill so much. And uh, I am so glad to be in a room full of big egos that are aware that they have big egos that are deflating. And I was not aware. I was not aware. Today I'm very grateful that I see Bill's grandiosity and I see mine. I see how selfish I've been. I see my ego. I see the me, me, me. Wait, 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 let me tell you more about me and and how deluded I was and the lies. and, And I remember going to university and going, I have arrived. And my, my drinking did take off, as did my eating, as did my closeted, um, exercising, and then marathoning, which wasn't closeted. And I just went crazy between my head. I had no idea the damage I did to my liver. And then I joined the Air Force because clearly I wasn't done with the food or the drink. And again, I had arrived. And then I remember grad school, and I got an opportunity to teach and I was like, I have arrived. And it was all about me, 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 me. And today, I know that my values were so off. It was all about that notoriety. And people will value me. I will be good enough finally by doing this. And that's not at all what I see valued today. Today, I know that vulnerability transforms people <coughs> and our... Our shared vulnerability, it really does transform my ego into being a person of service, that all humans are sacred, that, that as I work these steps, I'm evolved. I, I, I'm, I'm growing in maturity as I work with others. As I put down the food and I work the steps,
10: I, I realize I'm
7: called by the creator not to do
10: extraordinary things,
7: to do ordinary things, right? So let me say that again. God calls me, my creator calls me to do ordinary things, but with extraordinary love. And the steps are helping me see that it's the gentleness and ways in which I show up for service. That's extraordinary love. And that's the life I want to lead as my ego deflates. Thank you all for being here. Blessings, I pass.
0: Okay, Ida, uh, thank you very much. Next up, we have John L., and then we're going to open the floor back up for uh, other volunteers. Go ahead, John. Oh, good morning, Greg. This is John
13: L., a recovered compulsive overeater in Chandler, Arizona. Yeah, This reading, you know, my roaring 20s in my life with my addiction, uh, food addiction, uh, really happened. I, I noticed when I was, as I think back, when I was a kid, I had this love for candy and sweets and everything, and when I started, I guess, early grammar school, I was a skinny kid. By sixth grade, I was getting on the tubby side. Well, I went off to high school, and I was playing sports, and of course, I was uh, using nicotine, chewing tobacco, being a farm kid. I had all the fair-weather friends and Uh, I had no problem with my weight and all this, and, and well, when school and college were over for me, I quit my drinking, and then I quit my chewing tobacco because, you know, well, well, women don't, they think that's gross. I went on, and I went straight back to the food, and the illusion for me was is I thought I could control it. I would go run in these 10k's and I would exercise and then I'd binge and put my weight on and then uh take it off again and you know as I get older and older that's really hard to do and I can't do it that much and it's not that easy and I I don't have control over that. Sugar and floury substances and starchy things are like a drug to me. It always has been and I'm powerless over that. And today I have this disease of overeating in remission, but it's there just like it was in my, my high school days and whatnot. And I have to remember it's always there asleep in me right now, but it will wake up if I, you know, take that first bite and I'll be right back to the basis to the races on my, my food addiction. And so I really need to stay in this program and work it. It's always there and it's going to be a day in day out job for me going to meetings, working the steps, working with my sponsor and really working to keep this uh problem and addiction because this thing will ruin my health and leave me lead me to an early get- grave. So that's all I have. Thank you very much.
0: Okay, thank you John. All right, now we're going to Nancy open the P. floor back up.
11: Debbie H, Fran Rock, M., M. M, Fran
9: M, M. H. H. Fran, M right. Fran M from
1: Boston, Fran M we'll we'll be
14: be. Be. Well, so, hold P. on. She's
0: She's I H. Katie D. I got you, Katie. Everybody stop for just a minute. I had somebody T in the beginning. Who was that?
14: It was Nancy P.
0: Oh, Nancy P. All right, Nancy P. I have Nancy P, Debbie H, Fran something, and Katie G. Um
7: Julie M um,
0: Larry. Alright, Julie. Nikifa. All right, uh Nikifa.
6: Yep. Amy G. Alright, I'm gonna stop I'm gonna stop
0: right there. That's a that's a, that's a, that's, a, that's enough. I've got Nancy P, uh, Debbie H, Fran, Katie G, Julie M, Larry, and Nikifa. All right, Nancy. take us away.
14: Hey, thanks for letting me share. Um, so yeah, fair host of fair weather friends i um I felt like that that was all that I was worth. I never knew how to make friends, so I bribed friends like someone else was saying with lavish parties or you know after I got married, but in college um my post-affair where the friends were, um, surrounded, they were my friends because we all, um, did drugs together. And, but I was the only obvious compulsive overeater. I know now there were other people that had problems with food. And, you know, once I, I got abstinent way back then for a little while, um, I would run into these people occasionally and, um, and they, they had no interest in me at all if I wasn't eating and drugging and all that. And so I was bereft. I didn't know what to do. And then I, um, then you know, and so I was sort of, I was cut loose, you know. And then I, I married a guy who's also, um, I'm not especially shy. I, I don't know if I am. I'm sort of finding that out now if I am or not. But my husband definitely is and um so it's up to me to you know like have a social life you know like like get it going and and um i you know it's hard because i am who i am and i'm always wondering you know what do i do i'm so uncomfortable socially most of the time um and today you know there's like things coming up in my life i was you know i'm and I'm, I'm just really just trusting and relying on god because on my higher power because all the things that are happening to me in my life right now are baffling to me. And the only way to get through it is to, you know, trudge the road of happy destiny. And, um, you know, I've had some big challenges. I do continue to have big challenges. And, um, you know, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what I'm doing. All I do is I say, I trust you. And, And that seems to do the trick. I seem to not be, um, you know, going, making bad decisions in any way, shape, or form. But it really, um, you know, some of the things that are happening in my life aren't that much fun. And, um, And some are a lot of fun. But, you know, as long as I remember, you know, what I need as I find out who I am, I guess, then um, everything will be all right. And um, you know, I, I got to say that this meeting put me on the right track for once and for all. And I can't thank all of you enough. And by the way, thank everybody who called me about my car last week. Everything is fine, um, and with that, I'll pass.
0: All right. Thank you very much, um, Debbie H. Your turn. Then we're going to be. That's going to be
10: followed by Fran. Debbie. Is there a Debbie?
0: Well, let's go ahead and have Fran, and then that will be followed by Kathy G. Fran.
15: Hi, hi.
16: This is Fran from New Jersey. Fran M. Thanks for calling on me. I really resonated with the line. I had arrived. Um, It's really interesting to me, but I've been in program for much more than half my life. Thank goodness. And there have been so many times when I have gotten that feeling I have arrived. And it's funny. Some people relate it to, like, having sugar or other, you know, substances in their system. And it can happen to me just if I get some ego gratification or if I'm walking in an expensive neighborhood or going into an expensive restaurant or I accomplish something or someone says, oh, that's a great story you wrote. (laughs) When I get attention, it does that thing for me where I feel I have arrived. And for me, that's the danger point. Um, it's when I lose all humility. And like Bill, I just want the excitement. I want the rush. Um, it's interesting. When I first came into program, I used to associate it strictly with sugar or flour or certain substances. And now I know that it's something that can come over me. Just based on things that happen in life that I guess I have such a desperate need to feel better than and above and beyond and uh, invulnerable and high, high. It's a high. And... um, it's really great. Over the years, the program has taught me to pause, and when I start to feel like I have arrived, <laughs> I know that's a dangerous signal for me, as dangerous as certain substances are for other people in the program. and. Bill's story is a constant reminder of that, because, like many people have shared, I have nothing in common with Bill. I'm not the same gender, I'm not the same class I have the lack completely all his interests. I don't really want to play golf or do anything else like that, but I'm exactly I'm similar to him in certain aspects of personality that I think a lot of addicts share, you know the huge ego and the tiny ego and how they coexist so mysteriously in us and that certain substances can set them off but so can certain situations and the older i get and the longer i've been in program um the more it's about those situations and recognizing them and i don't know if it's anywhere in the big book but the program has taught me how to pause and to just quickly run through the steps or just to pray or just to stop and remind myself that i am a compulsive eater and that i began life at age 14 and 15, looking for a way out. For me, that way out was to try to get thinner, even though I was already thin. And that just showed me that I was looking for a solution that was so illogically unconnected to anything that was actually wrong in my life. That I have to remember that today that when I feel that exhilaration that makes me want to go out and do X or do Y or lord it over other people or just get my ego inflated. I just have to remember that what the solutions I look for are usually the least logical solutions to my problem. And it's funny, but in an odd way, Bill's illogical solution to, you know, a party reminder. and have a... Oh, sure. Okay. Well, thanks for letting me share. It's good to be on the meeting this morning.
0: All right. Thank you, Fran. Okay. Katie G., <laughs> <laughs> please, you're up. Followed by Julianne. Hey,
6: Chris. Oops, sorry. Hey, Craig, it's KG. You know what? When I said my name, Leia M said her name at the exact same time in my ear. I'm going to surrender that time over to her if that's okay. Thanks.
11: Well, it's okay with me. Uh, Leia, would you like to share, please?
10: Leia M. Okay. I I guess not.
0: No, I guess it wasn't her. Katie, um, Leah says that wasn't her. Would you like to go ahead and share?
6: This is Debbie H. No, Uh, no, no, no. Continue. No, no. Continue with your list, Craig. I'm good. Everybody continue. Thank Uh, you. uh,
0: All right. Okay. Julie M. Followed by Larry K. Julie? Hi, this is
15: Julie M. Recovered in Colorado. And... I had the hardest time with these paragraphs the first several time the first several times that I read them, because I could not relate at all i I did not have the big job, I did not have the tons of money I did not have the great husband, I did not have the beautiful house, so it took me a long time to really see how I could identify in and one of the ways is that here's this man who has everything and yet he's his life still falls apart. And I had the thinking that if I could just get skinny, once I'm skinny, everything's going to work and everything's going to be okay. Then all those other things will fall into my life. So this is an example that shows me that that's not true, which also wasn't true for me. Um, But the other thing, my my first sponsor in A Vision for You, when she had me read this, she said, Bill's currency is money. What was your currency? And I had to think about that for a while. And unfortunately, and this isn't something I really like to share very much, my currency at a young age was that I developed physically very early. And so I got a lot of attention from boys starting in like fourth grade and all the way through middle school. And so my currency, the place that my fair weather friends came from, was from the attention that I got from boys and then later the attention that I got from men. And so that was where I had a false sense of ego where I I my perceived value of myself came from outside of me, just like Bill is here. His his ego's huge. He's got these fair weather friends. His perceived value of himself is coming from external sources based on his money. So when we look at what our currency is and what brings in that external value, the first time I worked the steps, I realized. I had zero value of myself. It all came from externally. And, you know, there were various places it came from, um, but none of them were lasting. None of them ultimately made me feel great. It wasn't until I stripped myself down all the way by doing my first, fourth, and fifth steps. And each time there's a new layer and new awarenesses that come through but the biggest gift program has given me is not that I've lost 40 pounds or that I, um, you know, have, I have a different life today, but the biggest gift is that I actually value myself. I actually care about myself enough to not accept negative behavior from others and that I can exist in this world and be okay in my own skin. And with that, I'll pass.
0: Okay, uh, thank you very much, Julie. Okay, Larry K, followed by Nakifa.
11: Larry.
17: Hey, Craig. Good morning. Good morning, Good Larry K. Good morning. I just can't relate to any of this. <laughs> no, I can relate to all of it. Um, boy, um, you know, I I needed to be validated by the world. You know, my my self worth was always tied directly to your evaluation of that of that worth. And where I can really relate to Bill is in the level of self-absorption. All that obsessing and years of ruminating and thinking constantly about what I want, what I want to happen in my life. I would meet with the committee every day, several times a day. The committee, the three, there was three of us, me, myself, and I, and we would meet to go over what we wanted to happen in our lives. It was all about me. See, and when we are self-absorbed, we are preoccupied with our own affairs. And the problem is it comes at the the exclusion of others, and it comes at the exclusion of the outside world. And that's what I did. I excluded you out. You didn't matter. And that level of self-centeredness was really at the root of all my psychological problems, I can tell you that. The anxieties, the fears, the depression, all that stuff. It was at the root of that. And so there I was chasing after the things the things that I thought that you would admire because don't you know that if you admire me all is good in the world I needed your admiration and I was wrong see there was there was there was something greater see Bill and so I used food because I because invariably human beings we're not going to get what we want you're not going to get it and you're not, and, and and even when you think that you're going to get those things that others admire, there's going to be people that don't admire. And, oh, that's going to shake the foundation of my world, see. And then I'm going to go to the food, and I'm going to go to it daily. So there I was. You know, now I had all the degrees that I thought you'd admire. Not so much. Nobody cares.
2: And then I, I had the
17: private practice that I thought you'd admire. And in between sessions, I'm binging my brains out and you can, you know, you can shake out the keyboard of the the, the poppy seeds and the the frosting smears on me and my computer terminal because I needed my heroin in between the sessions so that I can meet with people and put on the masks, right? See, we wear masks, don't we? And this program, changes us. It moves us from that self-absorption, that self-centeredness to uh, perhaps an other centeredness no longer excluded a God centeredness
2: and it's it's an it's an
17: evolving ongoing thing it's not a it it wasn't like the, the the switch was flipped and now I'm perfect never never will be never will be I'm a work in progress but it's so much different today and with that I pass thanks Craig
11: thanks
0: Larry okay Nakifa, and then we'll open it up again
9: This is Nakifa H, um, a compulsive overeater. Um, Thank you so much. Here I am, a recovered alcoholic, and I cannot relate more to the big book than I can now um, with this food and compulsive overeating. And I am Bill. I don't care that I'm a... Black woman, I am Bill W., and um, I don't know what I thought I had arrived at, but somewhere in my thoughts I had arrived, you know, and like I've heard on previous shares, you validated me, right? So I had to do great things because when you said I was great, that made me great. And what, what plays in my head about this is that, you know, here he is. It says, I rightly imagined. Because I imagine, and I love fantasy, and here he couldn't convince anybody about doing some outrageous stuff like giving up your whole life, roaring off and proving to somebody how right you were, but that's what I do, right? That's my behavior. Food is just a symbol of what's really going on. I have a living problem, and here he set out on this crazy escapade to prove how right he was, and because I get a little success, that means I'm right, and I'm going to continue on down the path of destruction. And, um, oh, my God, Bill, it's just me. And then to think, here I am, I'm, I'm making good at life, and then it all blows up in my face. And um, it was like I had to learn about this disease of compulsive overeating, and then I had to go back through my history to see how it played out. And it, it, it I used food for comfort and um Bill his drinking. He he used the drink for comfort. I use food for comfort. But comfort doesn't last for seconds. Comfort doesn't turn on you. Comfort is long lasting. So here, you know, another illusion or delusion, whichever word needs to be there. Um I'm just grateful today that I'm free from the obsession. Um that I have a sense of peace that I never could have and um Anytime it comes in my head that just eat that, you'll feel better. Thank God today, right now, I can say, mm, that's the lie, right? I need to speak out the lie, and that's the lie. And then I need to get to the fact of it. And um, thank you all for reading this book the way you do, and with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Nikita. All right, uh, we have time for two or three shares Um
11: Matthew, Matthew, and, Matthew
0: and, Ross, Amy G, Les, Leslie oh. W, Amy G, All right, I got a Matthew W and Amy G, and
6: that was all I got from that. Laura, P. No,
0: all right, I've got Matthew W, Amy G, and Laura something. All right, uh, Matthew, uh, take us. Matthew W.
10: This is Matthew
11: F. I'm not sure if that's me or not. Matthew F.
0: I'm sorry. No, it's it's you. um. Go ahead.
11: Thank you. I can identify with this when he says, I have arrived. I have arrived not so much with money or career, but for me, it's always been with women and girls ever since I was a very young boy. I needed, I felt that in order to be happy and successful, it meant that I had to have a pretty girl to like me, and that's carried over into um, my adult years, and it's been ruinous uh, for me in understanding and believing, fooling myself that I was not attractive or worthwhile until I had a girlfriend. And I realize now more and more with the program and my abstinence that uh, it's God that is there for me. I don't need anyone else except God to make me happy. And when I have God and I have my abstinence, everything else comes into place. And um, I wanted to just share that and say thank you all for your service and have a wonderful day. All
0: right. Thank you. Amy G., uh, your turn.
6: Hi, this is Amy G., recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Thank you, everyone, for an awesome meeting and for your service. Uh, I don't think we can live long in this world without, at some point in our lives, at least I can say for me, as, lo- as well as many others have said, that we don't buy into the myth that money, power, prestige, notoriety, uh, is going to buy us happiness. I thought that, and I thought sin was well, you know, a lot of delusions, but for more, most normal people, you know, we grow up, we, we mature, we understand that we can't live life in extremes and for, and that uh, this stuff doesn't really buy us happiness. We can see it anywhere on the news and the media, you know, rich, poor, whatever, it doesn't bring us happiness. And, uh, you know, but for me, as a compulsive overeater, and as I can see with Bill, it, it, it didn't matter because the delusion was alive and well because of the obsession for drinking. You know, you walk into the rooms and you hear the saying, happy, angry, lonely, tired, I ate anyway. You know, here is Bill at the top of his game. And what is the constant throughout his life that we've been reading through the pages of this story? It's alcohol. We're seeing the progression of the mental obsession. It didn't matter whether he was lonely. It said that he drank when he was lonely. It said that he drank when he was happy. It said that now, obviously, he has life. He's made it. He's got the world by the ball, so to speak. He's got everything that the world says will make you happy, and he's still drinking. Why is it? Is he he's still drinking? It's not because of his emotions. It's because he's starting to develop a mental obsession and a physical allergy for a substance, and that's exactly what was happening with me. I didn't know it. I had no clue. I was just going for what everybody said. Look, if thin thin was well, then I killed myself as a bulimic to get thin. But what happened, quote, when I thought I arrived? Isn't it insane to think that I celebrated by eating when I hit the numbers on the scale? I arrived. I had arrived. I was thin. Shouldn't life now be at my feet? But when it wasn't and it didn't, what did I do? I celebrated by eating. I gave myself solace by eating. And then it was like a whirling dervish out of control. And we'll find it, that it was a boomerang that came back and cut him to ribbons. We're going to find that as this disease progresses. So what we're seeing here is a progression of this disease. And, wow, is it going to hit and hit hard? And I understand that completely. And it's what's so cunning and baffling about this disease is that it's like, I don't know about him. I mean, are you I was clueless to know, clueless that I was living life in a way that was going to head me in this direction. I had no idea, and I had no idea that food at that point was a problem for me. And you think that's pretty insane when I, when you realize, when I say I'm a bulimic, but that's the delusion. That's the delusion that this disease thinks, that takes you to, to think that somehow I could rationalize my bulimia. Oh, boy, we're going to see this progression. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks for letting me share.
0: Okay, thank you. Uh, Laura R. We've got about um, a minute and a half. So.
8: Okay. Laura R. from Colorado. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I'm going to go up one paragraph really quick to just the line i would prove to the world that I was important um, and then come back down to the paragraphs. But I just didn't realize when I was little um, that I desperately needed to fit in and be number one and um because i we've heard just that worthlessness and that feeling of not enough i had that from the gate right when i was was born and um and so it's just I, I look at this and it's like i've been proving to the world that i i'm important all my life and didn't even realize that i was trying to get there and um before i got married i was working at a a sales job just working in the it's weird to call it sales but alcohol and drug addiction field working for a treatment center and I, you know, was a, I had a sales petition and it's like, okay, like I, I'm going to just prove to the world I'm important and get, you know, and get be number one and be the number one salesperson and meet all these friends and like the whole host of farewell of friends. And, um, and then all of a sudden, you know, I lost, I left that job because I got married and now I'm folding my husband's laundry and the achievement, that thing was not there anymore. I, I, there was no one there to say a girl, you're amazing. And I was folding laundry again. It's like, Oh my gosh, like, I have, I am nothing, you know, and I just, I look at this. I rightly imagine that they would someday have a great rise. Like I rightly imagine, I put my husband through these last eight years of, um, you know, do the cooking, you know, I need to go to cooking school. I need to do an MLM and do face cream. Like I had to prove to the world I was important the whole way through just eating my way because I was going against what my true purpose was. And um, I don't know. It's just interesting to see my story in this, in in these in these pages, and realize that now I'm almost forty days you know abstinent and uh i just it's uh, i need to be thank you I need to just be on step one and um I don't want to take my my family through the ringer anymore because I don't know what this disease is capable of, and um I'm just glad to be here, and thank you for letting me share
0: all right thank thank you, and thank you to everyone who shared today. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. The share idea ID for today is 12469. That's 12469. And that's for January 28, uh, 2019. We're now going to close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Um, Will um, Who do we have here?